I don't know how many of you have seen the Pasha Tazriel lately. It's not so easy to talk about it. Okay, you're about to say the Pasha Tazriel, as I said. The first Pasha, Vadaber Bene Israel Mo Isha Ki Tazriel Vialda Zachar, Vitam O Shivat Yamim, Kimeni Dat Devota Titma. Rashi starts off, I mean, this is uh, the first Pasuk that has to do with Tum'ah V'tahara in a human being. And the topic is Isha. Right? We're talking about the Tum'ah of an Isha when she gives birth. When she has a baby, something which I assume everybody knows about. Rashi quotes the following Medrash. Right? Rashi calls this Medrash, which always troubled me. Omar Rabbi Simlai, Kishem Sheyitzirato Shel Adam, Achar Kol Behemach Hayav Of Maseb Reshit, Kach Torato Nitparsha, Achar Torat Behemach Hayav Of. So, Rabbi Simlai, or you can imagine Rabbi Simlai is in the Beit Medrash, and somebody asked him this nudnik question. And the nudnik question was, how come Shmini comes before Tazriya? How come Shmini comes before Tazriya? What's in Shmini? Oh, Shmini is about behemot to meot and behemot to horot. Animals that you cannot eat and animals that you can eat. What is Tazriya about? Tazriya is about Adam Tamei, Ishat Adam Tahor, Ishat So there's an implicit, the implicit question that was asked, or not the implicit, the explicit question that was asked in the Beit Midrash is this. If the Torah wants to tell me about Ben Adam, and the Torah wants to tell me about Chayah and Behemah and Oaf. Who goes first? Ben Adam. So the question is, how come Shmini comes before Tazriah? Shouldn't Tazriah come before Shmini? Because, I can add as a footnote, before I get the answer of uh, Rabbi Sublai, you had a simple footnote. The world was created for us. And everything else in the world is kind of the handmaiden of the human enterprise. So if you go to tell the halachot of Mutar and Asur, of Mutar and Asur, so who should come first? Adam, Isha, should come before Chaya, Behema. It's a kind of a simple question. Along comes Rabbi Simlai, and he gives what is not a simple answer, in my opinion. Rabbi Simlai says, just like when man was first created. Man was created after the Remember? Yom Chamishi, Yom Shishi, the end of the Yom Shishi was the creation of man. The beginning of Yom Shishi was the creation of all kinds of other animals. means the laws by which he lives. The laws that the man has to follow, that's what Rabbi Simlai said. But I emphasize, 
This answer does not make any sense. I understand why man slash woman was created after everything else was created. Because man went into a world in which he could live and act and exist. There were trees and there were grasses and there was the sun and there was the moon. Everything existed in the world when man entered it. But after man entered it, after the world is created and man is created, who should come first? Man should come first. And then the animals. So what does Rasul Lai say? They were stuck forever to take second place after the Behemah Chayab because that's how it was in Maaseb Reishit. That's what Rashi quotes. That's all that Rashi says. Rashi says that the question is, is the order of the parashiyot reasonable? Rabbi Sivlai says, very reasonable. But Rashi does not help us to understand why the pattern that was created in Breshit for a reason and the reason is that after all, man slash woman has to live in a world. They have to eat, they have to drink, they have to sustain. So they need the world to be there. So it makes sense that they should be the pinnacle of creation, that they would be created last. But having been created, they first, they should always go first after the creation. What is Rabbi Simlai trying to tell us? What is the connection between creation and the order of the halachot that are presented in the Torah. That's the question that we are going to try to deal with. So I want to teach, I want to go through a few psukim that I think we all know, and if we don't know them, we make believe we know them. First pasuk in Breshit, pasuk perak alef, pasuk dal. Vayabdel elokim vein ha'or uvein kachoshech. So that, after all, if I just look, let me just look. The pasuk says, God created. It's about the creation of light, and the the Torah says in pasuk Gimel. Then in Pasuk Dalit, For some reason it's not on the sheet, but it should be on the sheet. What? It is on the sheet? Ah, great, great, that's the Pasuk. Vayar Elokim et Ha'or Kitov. So if we are simple, we're simple people, we're reading the words of the Torah. So it's sort of like this, like a Kodesh Bohu is likened to a carpenter. You know, carpenter, you say, build me a box, or build me an aron. He builds the aron, and then the carpenter stands back and he says, I really did a good job. Right, this is a nice aron. This is a nice cupboard that I built. I mean, all artisans do that. Maybe they do it because they want you to pay them a little more money. But, but there is this notion that you could be amazed at how things turn out. Now, this is not the case with HaKadosh Baruch. HaKadosh Baruch created the light that the light should be 
as it should be. No surprises. He wouldn't say, What do you mean, As though, gee, isn't that interesting? What do you mean, Then the second part of it is, divided, separated between the light and the darkness. Now those that we all know, because we are all minor league Kabbalists, right? So all the minor league Kabbalists know that the Kabbalists were very concerned about the verbs that were used in creation. But if you look at the parasha, look at Paragala at the beginning of Parapet, you see that certain verbs are used, right? Amira, verbs that, that, how did God create the world? With a verb, right? A verb is a word of action. So there were certain actions that God did to create the world. There's Amira, there's Bria, Breshit, Bara Elohim, right? Bara Elohim. Yitzira, Yud Sadi Resh, Vayitza, et Elohim et Adam, right? Vayitza. And Asiya. And these are verbs that are used in the Torah to describe God's action. What is not considered to be a verb of action? but rather a word of reconsideration, the verb bet dalit lamit. Vayavdel. What do you mean vayavdel? What's Is that a subsequent act? I mean, why couldn't God create the world or create the or such that it would be differentiated? Why does it have to be and vayavdel? Like, Right? What's way up there? I mean, what does it mean? So, Rashi tries to help us out. And Rashi says, first he introduces his words with the following comment, He says, this is also an Agada problem. You know what an Agada is? For Rashi. Rashi says Agada. He said, that means lopshat. Agadah is lopshat. So if it's lopshat, what is it? It's lopshat. What's pshat? What is pshat? According to Rashi, since we all know Rashi, since we were children, we learned it again and again and again. This could be a very simple question, but it isn't. So I'll tell you what I think pshat is according to Rashi. And then if you want to quote me, you can. If you don't want to, you endanger yourself. But I don't mind if you don't say, if you don't quote me. Just that if you don't quote me, everybody start yelling at you. If you quote me, so you'll have an excuse. Pshat means the words in the order in which they appear in the Pasuk. One after the other. Lo pshat is when you take one word and you make an asic out of it. You say, ooh, this word, you know, it really, who knows what it means, this, and it has layers, and it has understanding. So let's see what Rashi says. What's the Debrei Agadah? I mean, generally, it's true that Debrei Agadah found the Chazal someplace. Chazal said it. But what did they say? According to Rashi, Yavazon is Shechim Debrei Agadah, 
שאין לו כדאי להשתמש ברשעים, הבדילו לצדיקים לעתיד לבוא. So again, what does it mean? That there are two tiers of creation. There's the original intended creation, and then there's the failure of creation. What was the originally intended creation? That we should live in a world with the light. There should be a lot of light. I'm sorry. That we can't, that the light doesn't really get along in Olam Hazet. Because Olam Hazet has plenty of bad people in it who don't deserve that light. Light is obviously a synonym for the notion of God's presence in the world. So light can't exist in the world. And therefore, by Yavdeh, HaKadosh Baruch separated that light. And what did he do with it? According to Rashi, But there is a place where the light belongs, is appropriate, and that place is Atid Lavo. Right? That time and that place is is where everything works out. When the world is full of tzaddikim, when the rishaim don't have a voice, when they lose out. But in the world of creation, the original world of creation, can't have life. Can't have life. So you see that a Baruch Hu is kind of creating the world, and Lulei uh, Vistafina, I would say, is kind of messing up here. There's a kind of a, a dissonance. There's a dissonance for the way the world should be, the world of God's light, and the way the world is. Because God gave the Bechirach of Shit to man, and because of the man slash woman, and because of the Bechirach of Shit option, a lot of people are going to mess up. And since a lot of people are going to mess up, it doesn't make sense that in a world full of mess-ups, there should be art. It can't be. So that Vayadeh means a secondary creation. Right? Whereas the first creation is still around, but there's a secondary creation which makes it possible for us to live in this world. Now, another way of looking at this Rashi, which I think is important, is I think I mentioned to you, that when HaKadosh Baruch said, let's make man, Let's make man. So everybody asks, who's the plural? Who's the plural? And the answer of Chazal is, that they were the heavenly hosts. I don't know exactly what heavenly hosts is. Now that I'm old, I say that. But for many years, I mean, you could say heavenly hosts, no one will ever ask you ever what they are. Never. Right? To me it sounds a little Christ- a Christian, actually, but it doesn't matter. What difference does it make? Heavenly hosts. What? That's what the heavenly guests are. That's what say that Sometimes you say things that they don't mean anything, and everybody's happy. That's what I mean. That's like a, it's like politics. You know, if you ask a politician a question about, so he doesn't know anything about it, he has no more info. He got his information from the same newspaper that you read in the morning. And yet he the whole sport he says, Oh well, you know. So heavenly hosts. So Akarishbahu conferred with the heavenly hosts. Said, Nah, Let us together agree to make men. 
And Rashi says, Anvitanuto shalakodesh bohu he. And Anvitanuto shalakodesh bohu he means, this is an expression of God's humility. But I always say, it doesn't mean that. Because we're talking about creation. We're not talking about God. God is not the subject of creation. Creation is the subject of creation. Somebody can come along and say, well, why did God create the world? I don't know. That's not in the parasha. That's not in Breshit. That's an interesting question. You can ask that question. But in the parasha of Breshit, the story is told about God creating the world. So if Rashi says, that means that God created humility. Just as God created man, at the same time, God created humility. Because who says that anybody should be humble? Who said that this is a kind of conclusion that you might come to? So with the creation of man, there was the creation of humility. In a similar vein, I say, by Avdel, by Avdel, you see the post, when God created light, God also created Havdalah, created distinction, and we'll try to understand what I think that means. So when I say that God created Anava, I think we can more or less understand it. People don't have to have anava. No one ever would think that the chipmunks have anava. Which is not to say that they're all Balgaibaniks. But they are not necessarily humble. Nor would anybody think that the porpoises jumping out of the pool of water are necessarily humble. They might be nice and pleasant and easy to get along with. But you wouldn't call them humble. So that the fact that man slash woman created by a Kodesh Baruch Hu can think about humility, can set up on a pillar Moshe Rabbeinu as being humble, this is not something that is simple, obvious, or necessary. Similarly, I say, Vayavdev is something that God put into the world. It's true that Rashi explains to us why he was put into the world with the creation of Or. But Rashi doesn't explain to us why it was put into the world, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Torah could have written, and God created Or, and, and lack of Or. Like Choshech and Or. Why does the Torah have to say, God created Or, it was like all over the place, and then God decided, Choshech and Or. Like, why do I have to say that? Because according to Rashi, the way we understand it is that the creation of Bet Damalad Lamed took place at the same time as the creation of Or, and that's something that we have to understand. Okay? Let's go to the next Pasuk. So you have a continuation of this idea of lahabdil, that somehow when certain things are created, I mean related again to or and choshech, that's not the end of the road. And you have to ask yourself, as I asked before, 
Why should God create something that has to be refined? Why should God create something which is not perfect as it is? Okay, Rashi gives us an answer. But Rashi's answer, Rashi's answer, it's a good answer. It's a, but, but it just emphasizes the question to us. And so, and so why do we have to know that? Why do we have to know here at this time that there's a light in Olam, in Achrita Yamim, Olam Abba, that we will benefit from something? Why, why do we need all of this? Why do we need it here? Why do we need it now? <coughs> okay. So this is, uh, there's this, this Rashi, but I would like to, I'd like to go on. Yeah, before we do that, now there's a pasuk here. If you look at Perak Yudal, the second, the second uh, pasuk, Perak Aleph pasuk Mem Zayin. Perak Aleph pasuk Mem Zayin. Pasuk Mem Zayin is the last pasuk in the parasha of Shmini. Right, remember we said that the, that the Pasha Shmini, well, one of the topics of the Pasha Shmini, but the topic at the end of the Pasha is the distinction between those behemoth which are edible, kosher, tahor, and those behemoth, hayot, or foot, which are unedible, unkosher, tameh. The last pasuk, last pasuk says this, lahavdir, why, why is all of this why is all of this in the, in the Chumash? Why are these lists of animals? Why is it all in the Chumash? L'havdil bein ha-tamei uvein ha-tachor uvein ha-chaya ne-chelet uvein ha-chaya ha-shelotei-achet What's the purpose? The purpose is l'havdil. That's the purpose that the Torah says and charges us. It says, when you go to eat something, look carefully. Is it in this category, or is it in that category? It's the same word as in the Briyah. So when I say that in the Briyah, God created Lahavdil, here is Lahavdil. Here is something that I have to, I have to use it for. Lahavdil. Lo bilvad hashoneh, ele yodea, Umakir of Nimi Rashi, Ubakibahem. He says, it's not enough to be able to say Chazer no and Kao yes, and then go through all the lists. That's not enough. Beina Tamei Uveina Tahor. Tsarich Lomar Ben Chamor Lepara. Allah Yikrab Uforashimei. The Pasuk cannot be referred to the distinction between Chamor, which is bad, and Para, that is good. Because the Torah already tells us that. Ela bein lecha lecha. So Rashi says, Tamei and Tahor have another meaning. They're not just the objective animal. It's not Tamei v'tahor, but Tamei lecha v'tahor lecha. And what does that mean according to Rashi? Rashi says, Bein nishchat chetzyo shel kaneh le nishchat rubo. 
because we know that an animal, a kosher animal, has to be slaughtered in a kosher way. We call that shechita. And the kosher way is lishchot et rov hasimanim, right? Kanem veshet, the windpipe in the esophagus, are two pipes that you have in your neck. And in shechita, you cut through both of these pipes. How much? At least the rove. At least the majority of the two pipes. So when the Torah says that you have to look to be able to distinguish between the Tameh and the Tahor, it doesn't only mean to be distinguished between a donkey and a cow, but also to distinguish between a cow that was slaughtered properly and a cow that was not slaughtered properly. He says, what about these animals? A tzvi is a tzvi, a deer. And our road is something. I don't know. You know, like, if I don't know what it is, I, I don't like to, to get the natural list to help me. We know that a tzvi is kosher, that our road is not. And he says, but, but it, it, there's a further distinction. Further distinction. What's the further distinction? Like there are some animals that are classified as kosher, but they might be trafe anyway. Everybody knows that you can buy meat today that's not kosher. Right? In Chutzlaretz, you can only buy meat that is not kosher. The only place in the world, I mean, I don't know, I haven't been to every place in the world, but I mean, I imagine that the only place you can get meat that's not got kosher is here in Eretz Yisrael. And the reason for that is so that when your children come home from yeshiva, they can bother you. Because otherwise, what would they bother you about? Everything else is fine. But your children can come home from yeshiva and say, ah, why don't we eat glad kosher meat? I hear that that's a good thing to do. But it's interesting, I don't know what to do in America. I guess in America they have to sell drugs or something. <laughs> Because everybody's eating glass kosher meat, so there's uh, a... <coughs> Yashin is coming up. Yeah. yeah, but you don't have to do anything. Yeah, Yashin is like glass kosher. You just go to the bakery and you get it. If you get it, it's fixed. It's not like you have to fix something. You don't have to even not deal. I mean, you just buy Yashin. That's they said Yashin, but you don't even know what it is. So, I mean, it's a cookie. It's a piece of cake. It's a bread. I mean, it's like, you know... We live in this wondrous world, like we live in this tremendous monastery. You know, that somebody's taking care of us and telling us what's right and what's wrong, when we can eat, when we can't eat. You know, it's like a, it's like a brave new world. Maybe not so brave. So according to these psukim that we just read, according to these psukim that we just read, that the, 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 I said that I, I thought that in Breshit, by Abdelah Lokim means that God put Havdalah into the world. And then, and then the Torah says, listen, you have this Kisharon, you have this special quality that you can make distinctions. And then further distinctions, further distinctions. So the Torah says, listen, make distinctions. Here's a simple one, day and night. A donkey and a cow. Oh, anybody can make that distinction. But now you have a cow. You have to shaft it. Well, did they do it right? Is it rov hasimane? Or is it less than rov hasimane? You have to keep making distinctions. 
That's what the Torah says. Now, science. Everybody's heard of science, right? I'm not a scientist, so I'm going to tell you something about science. I imagine if somebody was a scientist, they would be more circumspect. But since rabbis don't have to know anything in particular, they can have an opinion about anything. So I'll tell you about science. Science works like this. Like you look out in the world, like in either you're like an aesthetic type, and you see, geez, so nice. Or you're like a kind of you're not impressed by anything type, so you say, oh, another sunrise, another sun, sunset. Or you're a scientist. And scientists say, look at all this stuff out here. Let's arrange it. Let's arrange it. Because if I arrange it, I'll be able to talk about it. And if I arrange it, I'll be able to work on it. I'll be able to test it, I'll be able to look into it, I'll be able to test it. So the first thing you have to do is to arrange things. In order to arrange things, you've got to be able to distinguish them. And over the course of like the last, uh, let's say, conservatively, the last 2,000 years, man, the scientist, has worked on arranging things that he found in the world. And the reason that he works on arranging is he wants to understand them better and he knows that if he arranges and he distinguishes, then he will know things, then he will know things better. And so, the Torah says, the Torah says that man has this quality which enables him to know more about the world that God has created. And that ability is called Vayavdel. That's what it's called. Because if we looked at things and we said, oh, it's all the same. It's all the way it is. If we were just a bunch of chipmunks, who I suppose don't get excited when they see another tree and don't classify it. And don't get excited when the water is rushing one way or the other. So, so they're not in the world of Ayavdel. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to us, I, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, created the world with the quality of Ayavdel, so that you should use it and be empowered. And what did Rashi say? Rashi said, Ayavdel has dargot in it. There's the easy Ayavdel. This is a cow. And this is a donkey. But there's a harder ayah there. This cow, was it slaughtered correctly? Can you test it? Or this cow, this cow, is it really kosher? Can I check the lesions on the lungs? Can I determine which is the kosher and which is the trait? That all falls under the category of ayah death. All falls under the category of Vayavdeh. So there's an interesting Pasuk and an interesting Rash which does not appear on the sheet, unfortunately, and that's the mistake that I made, or somebody made, which says as far as it's two Pasukim from the end of the parish of Shmini. We just learned the last Pasuk. Two Pasukim before. Hashem. This is good for the Haggadah also. If you remember, it sort of comes up in the Haggadah. 
This is the word that connects the following to the psukim that distinguish the kosher animal and the treif animal. Kosher animals, treif animals, this is not the sublime subject material. This is not writing poetry or drawing paintings. Kosher animals are treif animals. I mean, these are kosher and these are treif. The Torah says, Ki Mitzrayim. I bring you up from Eretz Mitzrayim, Ki Kadosh Ani, the highest and most sublime relationship that could exist between man and God is Kadosh Ani, and therefore Hayitem Kadoshim. There's nothing that's more sublime than that. So Rashi says, He brings, uh, it's, it's printed in all the Rashi. Some people say that it's not real Rashi, it's an addition to Rashi, it doesn't matter. But it's there. It's in the Rashi, I'm reading it to you. He says, this is what the Pasuk says. Right? So, Every time the Torah talks about Yitzhak Mitzrayim, it's horizontal. How did the Jews, they went from Mitzrayim to Har Sinai. They didn't go from Mitzrayim to Har Sinai. It wasn't up. This is the only place in the Torah where the Torah says, Hama'ale'etchem. Right? Up. Hama'ale'etchem. V'kulam t'ivot seiti. V'kan t'iva ma'ale'etchem. Kana d'vei Rabbi Yishmael, the quote is the name of Rabbi Yishmael. If I had taken the name Israel out of the tribe, only so that they should know this halacha, don't become tamei bishratzim. Don't become tamei bishratzim. Dayam. Right? Dayam. Is what word in the Haggadah? Dayen. Remember Dayen? It's that song that everybody likes to sing in the hope that it'll soon be over. Huh? So that's Dayenu. This is Dayan. It's remarkable. I mean, Dayenu is pretty remarkable, but it's not Harashi in the Chumash. And Dayenu, you could say, okay, it's only Dayenu. But Rashi in the Chumash says that according to Tadadei Rabbi Shmuel, if, what HaKadosh Baruch was saying, so I only took B'nai Yisrael, I didn't give them the Torah, and I didn't give them the mitzvahs, and I didn't tell them the Kabbalah, so before I said Mechel, I didn't tell them about Shabbos, I didn't tell them about Tantras, I just told them, stay away from Shratzin. Stay away from these creepy, crawly things that are running around that are Tameh. Dayam. That would be enough. Uma'aliyuta higabayu. Ma'aliyuta higabayu. It is really something exalted to stay away from these shratzi. So listen again to the pasuk. Ani Hashem means I didn't take you out of Mitzrayim to get to Eretz Kenan. I taught you out of you out of Mitzrayim to elevate you, to make you special. What makes you special? Staying away from shratzi. 
staying away from Shratim. And why does staying away from Shratim make you special? Ah, because there's science and there's beyond science. What is science? Science is when I look around and I arrange things. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave me this talent. I can look around. I can arrange things in the world. And by arranging the things of the world, I can understand about them. I understand more about them. Eventually, I understand about, about atoms and molecules and nucleus and sub-atomic uh, sub, uh, particles. I understand all these because I made arrangements. I, I arranged things. And, and by arranging them, I was able to take them apart and look into them more carefully. But, Rashi says... There's something beyond science. And what's beyond science is the ability to be Mavdil in the world of HaKadosh Baruch That there's a world of HaKadosh Baruch And in that world of HaKadosh Baruch we don't see. And we can't investigate. And we can't line it up and set it up. In that world of HaKadosh Baruch there's also Bayabdel. There's also by Yavdel, and what's the essential words that I use to express by Yavdel? Tameh and Tahor. I mean, everybody knows that Tameh and Tahor doesn't make any sense. Everybody knows that the most difficult thing to understand is why somebody should be Tameh if he comes close to or in contact with a dead body. I mean, what, what difference does it make? And I don't even speak about the Parah Aduma, which is a halacha of Tuba Vatara that is, that is advertised as being incomprehensible. Like, not just that I don't understand it. But Chazal said, forget about it. You will never understand it. It's not comprehensible. What do you mean it's not comprehensible? That Parah Aduma is not comprehensible? It doesn't mean that Parah Aduma is not comprehensible because... God wanted to throw a joker into the Torah. Right? Like you say, okay, here's 613 mitzvot. You can think about them. You might say something nice about 200 of them, 300 of them, but there's one you're never going to figure out. Because it doesn't make sense. Nay, that's not what it means. What it means is that it makes sense. For our doom makes sense, but not in our world. The only thing we can do about Paraduma is connect to the truth of Ayavdev in the Torah. And that you understand that what is special about Tumavatara is that it's a variable state. Someone who is Tomei can, if he does certain things, become Tahor. And someone who is Tahor, if he doesn't watch out, if he's not careful, can become Tameh. I don't know why. But in other words, we have at least two different levels of Tameh V'tahor, of Havdalah, of looking into things. There are two different levels. There's the level of the Behemah, and there's the level of the Adam. And what's the difference between the Behemah and the Adam? The Behemah is static. It's true. Hamor, like the Hamor. There's nothing you could do. You can't turn a chamor into a para. That's not possible. A para is true, 
If you look very carefully, you might find that this particular para is kind of in league with the chamor. But as a category, para is always on the good side. Chamor is always on the bad side. But the tomb of the para that's associated to man slash woman is not objective in the sense that you kind of get admired in it and you, that's the end. But it's like, you know, the Ramah says, says at the end of Hilchot Mikvaot, that Tumor the Torah is something that we decide about. It's kind of our decision. Of course, you have to go to a Mikvah. But what happens in the Mikvah is that you decide that you're on the side of purity and that you don't want to be involved with the lack of purity. That's what happens in Mikvah, according to the Ramah. And the Ramah emphasizes, you shouldn't say that it's magic, you shouldn't say some kind of a of a, of a, of a uh, amulet. You jump into the water, you come out, you clean, right? It's not like that. No, that difference. If you're tovel the sheretz v'yodot, right? If you're holding on to the sheretz, you go into the mikveh and you stick yourself under the water, you're still tomeh. You're still tomeh. So it's not that the mikveh works or doesn't work. What works, according to the Rambam, is whether you want tahara. So that that for man, for man, there's no objective category. Things are variable. And so when HaKadosh Bochel created the Or, right, what does Rashi say? First there was the Or was created, kind of a static, kind of light. But then HaKadosh Bochel saw, it's not going to work. Because there are tzaddikim, there are rishoyim, so the static, the notion of static life was taken away and it was put into It was put into the end of days so that the Vayavdeh that we understand that the way we live our lives is that there are certain things that are immutable. They can be categorized. Science. Science will tell me. Is it Tahor? Is it Tameh? Science can produce a situation where there is a certain amount of information available to me about the status of an object or a subject. But in the world of the revenge love, this is only an introduction. The fact that we have the opportunity for different statuses, right, that they think that you could be sometimes Tahor and sometimes Tameh is of truth that comes to us from the Torah. Without the Torah we would never know it. We would just be scientists. We would be Greeks. We would be people who are able to use their investigative faculties brilliantly to be able to produce significant notions and ideas. But we would not know, we would not know that for man there is no objective category. Tome and Tohor for man slash woman is part of our personal decision. Yes, it's true. You can become accidentally Tome. You could find yourself on the road a dead body. You can be in a situation where you're a doctor or a 
paramedic and you have these problems all the time, but you understand that if you had to go to the Beit HaMikdash, if you had to sacrifice in the Beit HaMikdash a sacrifice of thanksgiving for one thing or the other, you could do it. You could remake yourself. So that Vayavdel is not only about an objective distinction, but it's about the fact that for man, as for God, there are no objective distinctions. But the distinctions are what we make of them. And so Tana Devei Rabbi Yishmael. The Tana Devei Rabbi Yishmael is what brought B'nai Yisrael up? What brought them up? It was the sense of who they are. The sense of what created man or woman is. And that sense was that there is distinction that is available to everybody, but there's distinction that's available only to those who accepted the rule of the Torah. Only to those. And so if we go back to the beginning, maybe we should just uh, not go back to the beginning. But again, I have here a few psukim. Right, the Leviim have a special job. And their job is to maintain a certain level of sanctity that's even beyond what everybody else has to maintain. What does the Pasuk say? So what does Vivdalviyatalaviyim mean? Maybe. Of course, it could mean separated the Leviim. But it means, I think, I gave the Leviim a heightened sense of who they are. That they have to be tahor in order to be Leviim. They can't allow themselves to fall into a trap. You could for Tahor and you could Hibadel for Tameh. Okay? And so, so the notion of Hibadlut is a special human quality that we learn about through the Torah. Without the Torah, we wouldn't know it. And so, we go back to the first Pasuk that we started with. What does the first Pasuk say? So the question is, how come Tomei the Tohar of animals precedes Tomei the Tohar of man? Omar Rabbi Simlai, Kishem Shi Yitzirato Shel Adam, Achar Kol Beima Chaya Va'ov, Demaseb Reishit, Kach Torato Nitparsha Achar Torat Beima Chaya Va'ov. Because it's not simply an objective listing. It's not that Beima Chaya Va'ov they have certain laws, and, and Adam had other laws. But it was important for the Torah to teach us, that's what Rabbi Sinai said, that it's true that the Heimach Hayava Oath have distinctions. They're not all the same. Some are Tahor, some are Tameh. Science will tell us about how to classify animals and plants and, and, and other things that we find in the world. But when it comes to Adam, we have to understand that the standard is different, the demands are different, 
and the hopes are different. That man can understand the Ibadrut, the distinction that exists in the world in which he lives through the eyes of the Torah. Yes, everybody can understand that the animals are not all the same. Everybody can understand that you have to make distinctions amongst the animals. But that's a gift. That's something that we could never understand on our own. And that gift comes to us because we are the essence of creation. Because when God created man, that was what creation was about. So that we see that uh, uh, that learning, that learning Torah, um, what I would venture to say is kind of the traditional way we learn Torah. Or the way we learn Torah in Lithuanian yeshivas, which I know best, but I think the same is true about all the yeshivot in the world. Learning Torah is about endlessly making distinctions. And it's not, this thought in the Gemara, it's not that we just invented it. It's not in the Gemara, endlessly like a human drive, which says, now I understand it. It's about a distinction. It's about taking two pieces of information and saying, they're not exactly the same. And that is a powerful clea. It's a powerful tool that we have and that we use. So we learn Torah that way. And the Torah told us to be that way. And the Torah told us that there's great significance to knowing the distinctions that God put into the world which are knowable to us only through the Torah. But it's something very important, something very significant. And even if we don't grab onto it immediately, we understand. We understand that distinctions, that making this distinction between Tameh and Tahor, between somebody who has to go to the mikveh and someone who's been purified in a mikveh, that distinction, that distinction is very important to us. Because it's a distinction that was handed down to us from heaven. And so in Talmud Torah, which is kind of the, the repository, you know, Talmud Torah, the Gemara says, the Gemara says that it's also, also to sell a Sefer Torah. Right? There's a Gemara Megillah. Megillah in says it's also to sell a Sefer Torah. You have a Sefer Torah, you can't even sell an old one to buy a new one. Right? You can't sell a Sefer Torah because it's lo mechubat. And if they do business with a Sefer Torah, can't sell a Sefer Torah. However, there are two mitzvot that are accepted. The first of the two is Talmud Torah. If I say, if I sell a Sefer Torah in order to learn Torah, then it's mutter. I'm allowed to do that. Why am I allowed to do that? Because Talmud Torah, after all, affects everything. Whatever Torah you learn, you find that the mitzvot are being done better and better. All the mitzvot. So that means Talmud Torah is a kind of a super mitzvah. So to sell a Sefer Torah for a super mitzvah, that's mutter. Sell a Sefer Torah for, for a super mitzvah. How do you do the super mitzvah of Talmud Torah? You don't just learn stuff. You don't just memorize it. Which is a good thing. I mean, it's very nice to have memorized all the Torah if you have that kind of that kind of memory. But what you're really doing is 
making distinctions. And when you make distinctions, it doesn't matter if the distinction has been made before or hasn't been made before. Because Talmud Torah is an expression of this profound aspect of humanity. We're able to make distinctions. We're able to create categories. We're able to put things here and put things there. And we live in a world, Tumavatara, of distinctions that we don't understand. But we do understand that in the world of the Kaddish Bahu it's perfectly reasonable that there might be distinctions that we don't know much about except for those distinctions that the Torah told us about. So Rabbi Simlai said, listen, when you talk about distinctions, you have to understand that there are levels and that it's correct that the distinctions of the Behemah, the Chayah, the Oath should come before the distinctions that apply to HaKadosh that apply to man from HaKadosh Baruch The distinctions that apply to Behemah, Chayah, Oath are permanent. They're given. That's the way it is. The distinctions that apply to man are malleable. They're in my hands. I can, I can change them. I can change myself. I can make myself into something else. There's a secondary kind of creation. Just as God created the world, I then move things around to make them better. I live in the world and I can move them around a little bit and make them better. If I happen to be unfit to go to the Beit HaMikdash, I can change that. I can make my way to the Beit HaMikdash. So Rashi says that what Rav Simlai said was that Tuma Vatara for animals is consistent. For men and women it's variable. And the level is much higher. And that's why the Torah starts in the Parsha of Shemini talking about the Tuma and Tara of animals and continues in the Parsha of Tazriya talking about the Tuma Vatara for men and women. Have a good Shabbos.